Well, for those of you that are newer here, my name is Holly, and my husband Philip and I have been leading Oasis Church for about 35 years, and we're always grateful that people come to church. So thanks for being here. Thank you're awesome. It's great to have you here. Maybe you're in here and you're in the middle of just a really hard time, a really hard season. Maybe it's your finances that are just, it's a financially tough season, or a, in your, some relationship, whether it's a friendship or a marriage or a job, maybe it's just hard. Maybe this situation has just been going on so long and, and you just feel like you want to quit. I've been there. I get it. Um, 25 years ago, when my son was six, he started taking karate. And so I would go, you know, after work and take him to karate, and he would go in there with all the other kids and students, and I'm sitting out there with the moms and dads, and I'm looking in, and they're having all the fun. And there's these amazing brochures out here that are, you know, painting this picture of how fun karate is, because you can break stuff and punch things, and it looks awesome. And I started thinking, you know what? I think I want to do this. This will be fun. Um, and one of the reasons for me is because, you know, punching things doesn't that sound like fun. But I'd also seen, like, the Karate Kid movie, you know, the way better original one. I'm just saying. And that move that he did at the end, I'm like, yes! My friends are going to be so impressed with me because I'll be able to do that move, like, in about a week. And, and then I, I realized that I'd noticed some things about myself. I had noticed about myself that I was great at starting things but I wasn't that good at finishing them. I could start anything with a yippee and a handful of confetti, but when it got hard or challenging, I would give up along the way and feel justified. So I thought, you know, this time I'm actually gonna finish this. I'm gonna do this. On the wall, they had all the belts, you know, and it went from white and yellow and orange and green, 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 and red, 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 and blue, 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 and then you get to black. And so I saw that, I'm gonna do that. So I show up the next week in my little white uniform, my stiff little white belt, and I'm like, yes, I'm going to learn all the exciting moves I saw in that brochure. But you know what we learned how to do for months? We learned how to fall. We learned how to fall to the front and get up, and how to fall to the back and get up, and how to fall to the side and get up, and I started thinking, wait, I didn't sign up for this. Right? This was not in the brochure. We kept, then we learned how to defend punches, and I'm like, this is not what I saw in the brochure. And I thought, started thinking, you know what? I, this is boring, and I don't do boring, and so I think I want to quit. And, because, and honestly, that had been my pattern. You know, when things got a little boring, I'm, I, I am the energetic adventure person, so if something gets boring, I feel justified in quitting. That had been my pattern. But I said, no, nope, this time I kept that black belt in front of me, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get there. And so I, you know, pushed through that boring stuff, and then it started to become inconvenient because by this time my son Jordan is not doing karate anymore. Now he's really passionate about basketball. And so we shifted to that. So now it's inconvenient because not only is only me going. So I have to get from work and deal with family and, and get to karate. And, and so it was, inconveni it was inconvenient. And I, again, this is when I would have felt justified in quitting because it's inconvenient. And then a few years into it, it started getting really hard. There's a lot of things to memorize, and it started hurting. I mean, I came home with broken toes and bruises, and it dawned on me that karate is seriously a contact sport now, right? 
So it started getting hard. And again, this is where I started thinking, you know what, I'm, I'm at my red belt. With the, and so that's good. I did a long journey here. I, I felt justified. I, I proved to people I could do something. But no, no, no. Keep that black belt in front of you. And so four and a half years later, when I took my black belt test and they put this black belt around me, <laughs> that actually did more for how I saw myself and it encouraged me with the fact that I could push through some of the hard days. And I want to suggest to you that hard days don't have to be bad days. Two years ago, I started a journey going back to school with the goal of getting my master's in theological leadership. And again, I was start, it was so fun to start, yay! And then the first class was on writing a research paper. Oh! Like formatting and footnotes. Do I have any students in the room? And I'm like, who cares? This is really boring. And in fact, how you want me to write is really boring. So I thought, you know what? Maybe I, I don't really need to do this. Right? This is boring. And again, I go, no, 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 no. I'm going to keep it in front of me, keep going. And then it became, it's inconvenient. Going back to school is inconvenient. It just is. And in this particular program, I, I had to fly to Florida, and I would every eight to ten weeks and spend a week of classes and then come home and read you know, dozens of books. In fact, all the books I read stacked up to be as tall as me and write papers. It was inconvenient for my life. It just was. And I started thinking, what am I doing? And it was really hard. It was hard. I read books that I needed a dictionary to help me read them. It was hard, and I was writing 40-page papers and having hard conversations. It was stretching my brain. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what did I do? But can I tell you, just Friday night, this past Friday night, when I walked across that stage and my family was there and they put a diploma in my hand, <laughs> that reminded me that I could push through some hard days because hard days don't have to be bad days. Hard days don't have to be bad days. Maybe you're in here and you're in the middle of the hard season and we've all had those hard moments. We've all had boring moments. Every job, there are boring moments. Maybe you've had some inconvenient moments. All of those moments you have to get through. I mean, maybe you're having one right now. Well, James offers some wisdom to us. The Apostle James, he said this in James 1, 2. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And another translation, the message translation, just puts it right in your face. It says, consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. Notice he didn't say if. He said when they come. He said when they come. It is a fact of life that we are going to go through hard days. It is a fact of life that we're going to have trials. It is a fact of life that we're going to have challenges. They come to the good and the bad. They come to the just and the unjust. Trials come to all of us. They're not optional. They are a part of the curriculum of life. Even Jesus told us this. Now, this is a scripture we're all going to read together. John 16, 33. It came right out of Jesus' mouth. Let's read it together. One, two, three. In this world... You will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Trials, bad days, they're inevitable. I mean, think about it. If you choose to love people, then you invite into your life 
the suffering that could potentially come from being betrayed by someone or being deserted by those you love. But if you choose not to love people, then you're going to suffer the pain of loneliness and isolation. Either way, there'll be some hard days. If you attempt to accomplish anything in your lifetime, then you invite the trials that come with frustration and failure. But if you never attempt anything, then all your life you're going to fight that feeling of potentially feeling insignificant and you'll look back perhaps on a life of unreached potential. If you breathe air, you invite the potential, the prospect of, you know, a bacterial infection or a lungs full of smog you live in LA. But if you choose not to breathe air, bye-bye. <laughs> right? So something of what James is saying is since you can't avoid trials, don't spend your life hiding. He says, consider them joy. We can't be afraid to love because somebody might hurt us or, we, or be afraid to try something because we might fail. There's something to be said for someone who, you know, sets out to do something with the idea of I'm going to do this or die trying. I mean, isn't that the way that the apostles lived? Right? They endured incredible suffering and every one of them ultimately gave their life for the cause of Christ. And isn't that the way Jesus lived? He offered his life on a cross, not just so that we could go to heaven, but so that we could have this relationship with the God who loves us. And we, we love seeing that kind of all-in courage in other people. And we live it, you know, vicariously in movie heroes, you know, like Avengers. Julian's got an attitude. We've got to help him. But sometimes it might be hard to muster that for ourselves. I think what we have to realize is that our attitude toward hardship determines how the hardship affects us. Because if we are afraid of hard times, they're going to beat us up. But if we use hardship as our ally instead of our enemy, then we come to know what James is actually talking about. And when I think about my life, I realize that the times that I have grown the most is when I've gone through the hardest times. <sighs> right? That's because I think God... He doesn't cause the hard times always, but he will use the hard times to mold us into who he wants us to become. When, you know, it's what the enemy thinks is going to destroy you. God will use it to strengthen you. Because see, the rest of that verse says this. In verse 2, James 1 says, Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And then he says, Perseverance must finish its work, so then you'll be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So James is saying, uh, you're, the goal is to not lack anything. The goal is to persevere until there's a strength in you. But I'd like to suggest that when we are in those hard days, when we're in a hard season, we have to realize that, first of all, we're not alone. You're not alone. Psalm 46 says, God is our refuge and strength. He's an ever-present help in trouble. The Spirit of God is with you. Isaiah says, this is God saying, he says, don't fear for I am with you. Don't be dismayed for I'm your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I'll uphold you with my righteous right hand. In fact, sometimes I think God is more present in the hard days, more present in the hard times. 
have this video of my son and daughter when they were little. Jordan's, you know, rocking a mullet so you can pick the decade. But he's singing a song to her reminding her of who God is. I think it's because Paris is learning to walk and trying to figure out how to get up a step. But, so he's encouraging her with this. So take a look at this. Fear not, fear not, for I am with you. Fear not, fear not. Be bold, be strong, for the Lord thy God is with you. I'm not afraid. Oh, no. I'm not dismayed. Oh, no. Because I'm walking in faith and victory. appreciate about the Apostle James is that he is not this ivory tower philosopher. He's actually really practical about getting through the trials, getting through the challenges. And so what's on his mind as he's writing this is to help us see life from a different perspective. He wants us to be able to see joy in the midst. Now realize that James is not saying, he is not saying that the trials themselves are joyful. We are not saying Woohoo! I'm so glad my wife left me. Woohoo! Yay! I was diagnosed with cancer. Yippee! I lost my job. Or even, yoo-hoo! I have to write a 50-page paper. Bah! No. What he's saying is, if we let him, God will turn what is hard, or even what was meant for evil, into our lives, and he'll turn it into something beautiful. He makes beauty out of ashes. God wants to develop you and to develop me into people of character. James uses that terminology, uh, mature and complete, not lacking anything. And James is not saying that we need to just suck it up, you know, grin and bear it. Nor does he say we just have to, you know, passive resignation, you know, whatever will be, will be. No, he's not saying that. He makes some suggestions for us to get through it. All right, and the first one he makes and he challenges us with is that if we're in the middle of a hard day, a hard season, a boring season, an inconvenient season on our journey, we actually, first of all, have to choose joy. Choose it. Difficult circumstances help us grow. Life is messy, suffering is inevitable, but can I suggest misery is an option? And joy does not come from external circumstances. Joy comes from knowing that God is with us. So that's why we can be joyful always. Scripture does not say, you know, in the words of that song from a few decades ago, don't worry, be happy. It doesn't say that. Scripture says, don't worry, rejoice. And there is a big difference between those two words, between happy and joyful. The Greek word for happy is the word makarios, and it refers to the freedom of the rich from the normal cares and worries of life. It's the word used to describe a person who has all the money they want, who has health and children, and everybody's happy. This is what happiness is about. See, if I'm happy, it's because there's nothing wrong in my life. My outward situation is good. There's no crisis, I feel good, there's money in the checking account, I don't have homework. Nobody's out to get me. My job's going well. But when those things start to change, then I'm no longer happy. Do you know we don't actually have a direct command to always be happy? Neither do we have an example of an always happy Jesus. 
Jesus one time got so angry at the way the temple was being treated that he you know, just ran through it making changes. And there was a time when Jesus wept at the tomb of his friend. And there was a time when he wept over the city of Jerusalem. So we don't, always, we, we don't see the example of an always happy Jesus. What we see is the promise of joy. Now the Greek word for the, uh, joy is the word chara. And it is something that is found only in God. If we consider godly qualities as virtues, well, joy is not a beginner's virtue. It is something that we learn and grow in the more we follow Jesus. In this church, we accept everyone right where they are. For 35 years, we have been communicating about the grace of God, about his unconditional love. So yeah, you are welcome just as you are. But I'd like to suggest that if we are going to navigate the storms of life, that if we're going to navigate the bad days, we actually need to grow spiritually. And so that's why we offer things like growth track. It's not because we have nothing else to do. Because we want to help people grow spiritually so they can get through the seasons of their life. It's why we encourage people to read the Bible. There's no excuse today to not read the Bible. It's on your phone for Pete's sake. The YouVersion app is free. Download that and get a Bible reading plan. Just start reading what God has to say to you. You know, Galatians 5.22, Paul calls joy one of the fruits of the Spirit. And all that simply means is when he uses that expression, fruits of the Spirit, it's the evidence. The evidence that the Spirit of God is living and working in you. And so that, those verses begin like this. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. So the evidence that you are filled with God's Spirit, the evidence that God's Spirit is real in you, is joy is evident in your life. It says love, joy, peace, forbearance, which simply means patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. I think the reason this is in here is because I'm not sure we can have joy until we've truly made a decision to lead a spiritual life. I mean, we can have happiness without spiritual development, you know, as long as the conditions in our lives are favorable, but joy comes in God. Some scholars say that the opposite of joy is not sadness. The opposite of joy is fear. Again, happiness is that great feeling you get when everything's going your way. But joy, joy is what God gives you in the midst of the hard days, in the midst of the hard times, when you put your trouble in God's hands. Joy is a choice. Joy comes as a result of a complete trust in the love of God and a deep desire for his will to be done. You know, Jesus was probably not happy on the cross, but I know he had joy. That's what it tells us in Hebrews 12. It says he endured the cross for the joy set before him. And what was that joy? You and me. You and me. That one day you and I together would have this encounter with God. So he did it for that joy. Joy because he knew he was doing the work of God. Fifteen years ago, or almost fifteen years ago, I was diagnosed with you know, breast cancer and began that journey. Now getting that diagnosis was not a good thing. But in the middle of that journey, I had a choice. I could feel like a victim and shake my fist at God and ask why, 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 why? Or I could choose to find joy. 
And I'm not saying that was my first reaction or even my second. But somewhere in that journey, it became a decision. And then for me, just in the journey of ministry and life, being betrayed by people close to me, and then Philip and I had our savings account stolen, those weren't good things. Right? But I couldn't change the circumstances. But you know what I couldn't control? I could control my attitude. And again, I'm not saying it was easy. Philip and I have been married for almost 35 years. I mean, most of them have been good. But there have been some hard moments. And if you're married, you understand that. There are hard moments. Two becoming one is only easy in movies. <laughs> right? Hard moments. There have been real challenges. And, there are, and I had a choice to make in those two. Right? Do I get overwhelmed? Or do I choose to look for opportunities to be led by joy? And in parenting, man, whew, hard seasons, especially once they learn to talk. Right? Before then, you think it's hard, but it's not hard, let me tell you. You know, it's like learning to talk, and then they grow up, and they make decisions. They're like, oh my gosh, that's, what are you doing? Right? Hard moments. So I'm not talking about faking some emotion. Joy, joy is a choice. Listen to this. Joy is an approach to life rather than a reaction to it. Joy is always an approach to how you live your life. It's not a reaction to it. Nehemiah 8.10 challenges us saying, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So in getting through the hard days, we have to choose joy. And the second thing James brings up is we actually have to ask for wisdom. In verse, uh, chapter 1, he says in verse 8, he says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you have to believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all that they do. Okay, so he says when you ask for wisdom, just believe God's going to give it to you. Well, what is wisdom? There are various definitions of wisdom, but one definition is the ability to make right use of knowledge. So there is an aspect of knowledge in wisdom, but it goes beyond that. Wisdom is making use of the knowledge that we've been given. Right? We can all get some knowledge about how to handle our money. And we even offer classes here at Oasis that teach some practical things, some knowledge about how to grow financially, how to ultimately be blessed financially. But if all we do in those classes is take notes and we don't actually begin to apply it, then we're missing the point. Wisdom comes from the doing of it. You know, and here we can, we can get some knowledge about how to build a healthy marriage. And, and, and Patrick and Dawn down here, they teach a lot of our marriage classes. They offer great knowledge about how to build a marriage. But again, if all you do is take notes or wish your spouse was here to take notes, right, and you don't begin to do them, then you don't get the wisdom. Wisdom comes when you do some of the knowledge. So in the middle of a trial, we should all be praying for wisdom because God gives it to us generously. And I honestly think that wisdom helps us see the bad days, helps us see the trials from a different perspective, God's perspective. Have you ever listened to a traffic report from a, a news person in a helicopter. I mean, why are they better qualified 
to help you than someone in the car right in front of you? Well, because the traffic reporter can see things you can't. He's seeing the big picture. He knows what's coming. He knows the accidents ahead. He, and he gives accurate information. He might even say, you should take an alternate route or avoid that freeway, which is actually why I always use Waze, right? Because there's people who've already navigated this path that might be able to give me a little wisdom. Right? Wisdom allows you to trust God in the middle of the bad days. Wisdom. Imagine you and me standing before the Father, standing before God, and we see all of the trials and the bad days, all of the tests, if you will, that we've had in our lives. And in each of them, we had the opportunity to either grow stronger, to mature, and to develop a more loving relationship with God, or we also had the choice to get angry and bitter and cynical and critical because of them. That's been my experience of the choices that we have. And there are so many times when it is easier to get bitter and cynical. I've been there. But the end result of that person is not gonna be who you wanna be. I'm a country music fan. I'm just saying. Is there anybody else in the room or would it just be me? Oh, good. Oh, look, there's 10 of us. We're going to start a small group. <laughs> there was a song by someone who was probably one of the biggest country music artists, Garth Brooks, and he wrote a song called Unanswered Prayer. And the whole point of that, the course of that song, was he was thanking God for unanswered prayer. Because in the song, he talks about loving this girl in high school so much, and he prayed that God would make her his. And well, that didn't happen. But what did happen was even better because years later, the right person at the right time did come along. So he was just thanking God for the fact that God didn't answer his prayer the way he wanted to. He was trusting that God had a little bit of a different perspective. So when we ask God for wisdom, we have to trust that he's got a bigger picture in mind. Trust him. James 1.12 says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. He's talking about perseverance, and that's what it takes to get from here to there. That's what it takes to get from a white belt to a black belt. That's what it takes to get from kindergarten to a master's degree, whatever. That's what it takes to get from a diagnosis of cancer to walking it through. It's going to take a little bit of perseverance. Do you know what that word means? It means to remain under the weight. We need to stand steadfast in the middle. Stand steadfast. It's what gets you to where you want to go. Perseverance. All right, the third thing I'm going to talk about, and I'll finish with this. In the middle of a bad day, in the middle of a hard time, you choose joy, you ask for wisdom, and the third thing is you keep hope alive. Keep hope alive. The word hope occurs 52 times in the New Testament alone. And if you take the time to look them up, you'll find that every one of them, every reference, hope is always, always, always connected in some way to God. Because God is the author of hope. Romans 15 says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know what came your way this year. Maybe you had trouble in home. Maybe your child isn't acting right. Maybe something going on with one of your parents. 
Maybe there's a breakdown in a relationship. Maybe you lost a job or you just can't seem to get one. Maybe the dream in your heart seems so far away. Maybe fighting and arguing have replaced love and affection. Maybe you've been diagnosed with a disease. Maybe you're feeling like you're about to go under. But I know this, that after all the trouble in our world, the trouble in our country, the trouble in our neighborhood this year, after all that's gone on in our homes and in our lives, the reason we're still here is because the Lord has been on our side. Right? We might think that our problems are unique to ourselves, but there has been someone that has gone through them before. The stories of people can give us hope. In the midst of your bad day, in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the challenge, be hopeful that one day you will use this story of your bad day to help someone else get through their bad day. A few years ago, I walked into a store and I saw a young girl, maybe in her 20s, and she was obviously in the middle of cancer treatment because she had no hair and she had the pink thing on her head and she was really pale. And I just decided to go talk to her. And now I, I am a, a people person. I'm an affectionate person. So if you're coming to say hi to me, I'm going to touch you or pat you or hug you. So if you don't want any of that, find somebody else to talk to, okay? I'm a peopley person. So this girl, I walked up to her and I smiled at her and I, you know, touched her a little bit. I said, hey, it looks like you're in the middle of cancer treatment. And she said, yes, I am. And then I looked at her and I said, I want you to know I've been there. I know what that feels like. I know how scary that can be. But I want you to take a look at me today. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling strong. And one day you will be here. And she just started crying. Now, it wasn't that I was anything profound that I said what I did was just give her hope from someone who'd navigated a bad day. Your bad days can be used to give someone else a future, can be used to give someone else hope. And the scriptures give hope. Are you lonely? You're a little bit depressed? Well, look at Elijah. He thought he didn't have a friend in the whole world. He thought he was the only one who still loved God. But Elijah found that God was with him, that God was there, and God showed Elijah that things are not as bad as you think. Are you frightened? Are you frightened? Has something in your life gotten out of control? Well, look at David. He fought a nine-foot, six-inch giant and beat him. God was with David. There's no need to be afraid when God is on our side. Are you being treated unfairly? Sometimes that's the frustrating one, isn't it? Are you being treated unfairly? Well, look at Joseph. He was treated unfairly by his family. He was treated unfairly by bosses. He was treated unfairly by so many people. And yet his hope was in God. And then he rose from that prison to be the second most powerful man in Egypt. Are you in some sort of crisis? Well, David, excuse me, Daniel was in a lion's den. Those lions looked very hungry. So what did Daniel do? He prayed because he knew where his hope came from. And it came from an encounter with the living God. So if you are going to get from the place you are now, which might be a hard season, through this place, there are going to be some boring times, some inconvenient times. You know the boring times are when a lot of people give up. For me, in that black, you know, that whole journey toward a black belt, 
the things I learned to, about falling and getting up and falling and getting up, four years later when I was taking that black belt test and got knocked to the ground, it was instinctive for me to get up because I spent months and months and months and months learning to get up. Learning to get up. And both of them, that getting that black belt. Do you know when you get your black belt, when that master put, ties it around you, do you know what he says? He says, congratulations, you have now mastered the basics. And then when a diploma is put in your hand, what is a graduation ceremony called? Commencement. Right? So just when you think, yay, I've arrived, God says, no, here's a whole new journey. Bad days. Bad days. See, hard days don't have to be bad days. Hard times don't have to be Hard times don't have to be bad times. You might be in the middle of a hard day or a hard time, but can I just encourage you with, if you make the decision to choose joy and to ask God for wisdom and determine to keep hope alive, then this hard day, it won't be the one that defines you. It will be the impetus that will get you through. Can I pray for you? Father, I thank you for every, every person in this room, and I thank you, God, that your plans for us are perfect. And I know, God, that there are some people in here in the middle of a hard day, a hard season, a hard time. You know, actually what I want to do is, I just want to pray for you. If you're in the middle of just one of, a hard day, a hard season, will you just put your hand up so just so I know who I'm praying for? Great. So there's about 50 or 60 of you, 70 up there. So there's plenty of us. God, just keep them up for a second. God, you see, I see the hands, you see who they are. You know their names, you know the situation, you know the circumstances. You know every bit of what's going on in their life. And I thank you, God, that no weapon formed against them will prosper. I thank you, God, that this challenge or trial will not define them, but will become the fuel that gets them to where you want them to go. I thank you, God, that in the middle of this hard day that they will choose joy somehow, some way, that they will choose joy. They'll have that attitude. And I pray, God, for wisdom. Wisdom. Wisdom, the on high wisdom that would lead and guide them. I thank you, God, for wisdom. And I thank you, Father, for hope. The hope that only comes from you, that that would fuel them and fill them. In Jesus' name. And now maybe just stay in this attitude a prayer, just keep your eyes closed, just eliminate some distractions, and if everybody could just be still for a moment. I don't know some of you in here, and I don't know, perhaps there's some of you in here, and you've never actually received the love of God. You've never received the love that he has for you. And he loves you so much that he sent Jesus. And Jesus went to the cross to pay the price for every failure, every failure that we've ever experienced in our past and will experience. And he paid the price so that you and I could have a future filled with hope. And so maybe you've never received the magnitude of that love. Maybe you've just haven't let him love you fully. Or maybe you're in here and at one point you did. But if you were honest, you'd have to say you're not really following Jesus. Maybe, maybe you had too many hard days in a row. Maybe you got offended. Maybe you got tired. I don't know. I know what that's like. 
But if you were honest, you'd have to say you're not 100% following Jesus. And you know it's time to actually get back up and take that next step on your journey of faith with him. So I just want to pray for those two groups. So if you're in here and for the first time, you're saying yes to the love of God. You're ready to receive the forgiveness. You can leave here today free from guilt, free from the weight of shame. You can leave here free. He loves you just the way you are. His, his posture towards you is always welcome home, arms out, stretched. He's not mad at you. He loves you. 